what's the worst thing that could really happen? Really, really. You know, like you're going into the conversation, you're like, well, worst case scenario is like, I'm misunderstood. And, and it's like, follow it through all the way so that you can start to get real about this irrational piece of you that tries to withdraw from connection, withdraw from relationship. Welcome to the 30 Second Book Club podcast, a place for people who want to read more books and be in a book club but don't have time to do either. I did that for you. My name's Andy, and there is a moment in your conversations that can change everything. It's called The Miracle Moment, and that's the title of Nicole Eunice's new book. Really good. And Nicole, let's talk about that that miracle moment. What does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. So the miracle moment is this experience I've had in my own relationships with people that I've been in ministry and counseling and you know, coaching with, where it's the moment after you react. So you have a moment where you feel miss, like a miscue, you feel frustrated, you feel misunderstood. And all of us have an opportunity at that moment to go one of two directions. Most of us in our natural human tendency, we either blow up, we give up, or we shut up. We just get out. And there is an opportunity for a miracle at that time where we can actually lean in instead. But to get to that miracle where we use conflict to create connection instead of distance, it actually takes quite a bit of work, <laughs> some personal work to get there. Well, and as you were just saying that, those three options, I, I feel like, especially now with the political discourse, yeah. that's what we're all doing. We're doing yeah. those instead of leaning into it more. Yeah. And, you know, I was just with a group this morning and they were saying, you know, it's so interesting. Adults, kids tell each other when they're being mean, they're just honest. And they're like, you're being mean. <laughs> Adults just leave relationships. Like we just <laughs> nicely walk away. And I was like, that's like the cold war. Like we have cold wars as adults. We tend to do that. Now we may use our social media, right. To be, to be emotional or inflammatory, hopefully not. But when it comes to our actual relationships, when we have those miscues, when we cross wires, a lot of times we don't have the tools in our toolbox to even know how to handle that kind of situation. And so a lot of times that's what happens is we, we just sort of go the other direction. We may stay friends, but mm -hmm. we lose all opportunity for intimacy, vulnerability, connection. So uh, speaking of tools, I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, one of the things you talk about uh, that I, it might be a new concept to a lot of people, it was for me talking about alignment and mm -hmm. how, what that has to do with conversations and everything like that. Yeah. I mean, it's just such a bigger thing than, you know, the miracle moment isn't about just how to have a better conversation. Although there is a significant part of the book, which is literally how to have a better conversation. <laughs> it's really actually about this bigger idea. And the bigger idea is what would it be like for you? If you could honor your feelings, you could like interpret your feelings, not let them control you, but you could mean what you feel. You could interpret your feelings. You could say what you mean and you could do what you say in life, in love, in work. You just were fully aligned heart, mind, and action. And that's really my heart and hope for people because that's where healthy relationships blossom. And that's where we're actually able to do this stuff, like have political conversations. The things that are hard right now, I think are really related to a lack of growth individually for all of us just to say, man, life is hard and we need all the help we can get. And it is okay to not be good at this. And I think a lot of adults think they're supposed to already be good at it. And somehow it's like, we should have arrived in adulthood and been like good at relationships. When in reality, I think all of us, we just need a lot of work to learn how to be healthy, loving and connected in our relationships. So I, I love that you talk about something called the nice disorder, because I don't yeah. know, uh, where are you from, Nicole? Um, well, I'm an army brat, so, but I okay. live in the South. So okay. I, am a, I live in the South, but I was not raised in the South. So. <laughs> okay, so I'm in Minnesota, and this is something that's kind of, uh, um, 
I don't know, famous. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's called Minnesota Nice. Where no, I haven't. It, okay, so it's 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 a kind of like um, you know, it's it's a surface level. Oh, everyone's really nice, mm. but you know, deep down inside, of course, there's other emotions. And I think you really kind of uh, unpack that uh, yep. for a lot of people in you know talking about the nice disorder. Yeah, I mean, a lot of us have even just cultural history where that is really the way that we've been raised or the culture that we've been in. And I just really want to say, especially for people who are following God. That's not like nice does not create depth. And I don't mean the the opposite of nice is not mean. The opposite of nice to me is courageous vulnerability. That's different. So nice is like, I'm not going to expend or sacrifice of myself for you. Like, I'm not going to give you more. I'm not going to try harder. I'm not going like, because it's just, it's too much work. And so we can just stay on the surface. But I think that the nice disorder is what is a part of the loneliness epidemic that so many of us are experiencing. We have a, you know, we have a thousand friends on Facebook and not one true friend to call our own. And we're nice to a lot of people, but no one really knows us. And I think that gap just feeling so disconnected and isolated, even while looking connected is a real, it's, it's a sad part of our experience right now. And I think it's overcomable. Overcomable, but you know, really hard. I mean, when, when I read the part about how to mean what you feel, I thought that just seems so silly. Why, why can't we do that? So, <laughs> so you want to talk about that? You know, the difficulty yeah. of doing that and then how to actually mean what we feel. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. You're like, why do we have to do this? You know, I was just with a, <laughs> I was just with a client yesterday and we were working through like how to get connected to your emotions. And he just really didn't want to. And I said, Hey, I just want you to know you are emotional. Your emotion might look like shutting down. Your emotion might look like withdrawing. Your emotion might look like you just sort of go stoic. Your emotion might look like I just do everything through my head, but you're doing something emotional. There's something in you that is shutting down in certain environments. And you might not think that's emotional, but that actually is quite emotional. And God made us with emotion. it's It's not a bad thing. I think the thing with emotion is how do we uh, get into a conversation with our emotions so that we understand, and I talk about in the book, three easy things to do with your emotions that give us like a framework, another tool. Because a lot of times what happens in relationships is like, let's say, let's say, Andy, you remind me, you actually do remind me of someone. You actually remind me of someone I really like. It's a friend of mine who's a pastor in another state. We're really close. So as soon as we started talking, my emotions were like, I'm connected to you. I already decided I liked you. I had a whole memory. Isn't that good? Aren't you glad I didn't decide I didn't like you? Because it works the other way too, right? (laughs) Even more important is it works the other way. And you show up at your job and you have a new boss. You don't even know, but that boss, for some reason, reminds you of your high school principal and you had a really bad experience in your high school principal's office and you felt like it was condescending, disrespectful. All of a sudden, you don't know why, but you just have this edge with your boss. And if you're not in touch with your emotions to be like, huh, why am I so frustrated? Like, why am I having more emotion than this situation deserves? And if you would do the work and that we call that reassigning in in the book, I need to reassign my emotion, right? Like this isn't about this person. This is about this other story. Man, I've got this this kind of hurt from my past and I'm going to live out of that hurt. We do this in our marriages all the time too. It's like, it ain't about the fact that you left the door open this morning. It's the fact that I feel disrespected for the last 10 years. So now we're going to fight over the door being left unlocked, but neither one of us is actually having a good fight where we engage with, hey, when you left the door unlocked, 
it reminds me of this way that I feel disrespected. And I wonder if we might be able to work through that. So we, we want to be in touch with what we're feeling because a lot of times what we're feeling is pointing to something either from our past that we don't want to bring into our present, or it's pointing to something deeper that's the real conversation we need to have, not the argument over the unlocked door. Hmm. Uh, so let's go here. Um, I, love, I love this too. This is great. Miracle moments occur when we eliminate I can't. Mm, Talk yeah. a little bit more about that. That's so, I just seems so powerful. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this is such a, an easy sort of victim mentality to go. And I talk in the book about this idea of villains, heroes, victims. We kind of want to write a story all the time about what's happening in our life. And we, we sort of go to these different places and we end up being or seeing a hero in our story or being the victim in our story. And Unless you're truly in an abusive or oppressive relationship that you are not in power to get out of, which is some people, but the majority of the people listening right now, we are ridiculously responsible for our lives. Hmm. Like, Andy, you're like, you're ridiculously responsible for your happiness. <laughs> it, it really is. And, and yet we give away our power all the time. And we're like, well, he or she, they made me do it. I have to do this. It has to be this way. I'm so busy. I'm so excited. And we're not really saying like, what if I said, I'm the person responsible for my life. And if I was to get curious, which is another huge part of the book is curious, not condemning. If I was curious about the choices that I'm making, if I was curious about the narrative in my mind, if I was curious about why I keep repeating the same exact pattern with my mom or, you know, my spouse or my brother that we have a bad relate, well, whoever that person is. If I just got curious about why that was happening and I believed I was responsible for my life, what might change in the way that I engaged with that relationship? So as we kind of look inward and try to figure stuff out like that, I, I love this idea of, um, playing uh, a little bit of a game in, mm -hmm. and I don't know, is, is this something you play in your mind? I, I almost feel like I have to act this out and say it out loud. You yeah. know, when you're worried about going into a, a conversation sure. to play the worst scenario game. Yeah. Worst case scenario. Like, and some people are external processors. Yeah. And it's good to like talk it out. Some people just need to actually do this work of being like, there is this irrational little person inside of me. It's usually the younger self that we all carry. And this irrational little person is going nuts right now over this thing. Right. And you're just getting so amped up. And the idea of worst case scenario is like, what's the worst thing that could really happen? Really, really, you know, like you're going into the conversation, you're like, well, worst case scenario is like, I'm misunderstood. And then, and it's like, follow it through all the way so that you can start to get real about this irrational piece of you that tries to withdraw from connection, withdraw from relationship. Very rarely does the worst case scenario actually happen. But many times when we follow that little train of thought, it goes to a pretty irrational place where we're like, and then I would die, you know, like, it just, <laughs> right. you know, like, like I would cease to exist, you know, just or, or like, or nothing. And that's because we're, our identity is so wrapped up in this thing. So let's say it's a conversation with your boss, right? And you're like, I can't have that conversation with my boss. Well, what's the worst thing that could happen? Well, you're like, well, I guess the worst thing that could happen is that I was misunderstood and fired. Okay. If you were misunderstood and fired, and you believed there was more for your life and that you could rise again, or you were, you're going to get through it. How does that feel now? 
you're like, oh, well, but what it feels like when we don't address it is I'm literally going to die. Like that is the worst because we carry all of these deep sort of fears. So we talk about that in the book a little bit. But yeah, it's just a little quick way to say like, follow that, just follow the conversation through to see where it takes you. This used to happen a lot when I was a therapist um, in private practice. And um, it was particularly usually, usually the female, not all the time, but some, most of the time, the female came first for marriage counseling. And it was their worst case scenario was that if they clearly and directly asked their spouse to come to marriage counseling, that they would say no. Hmm. We would work it through and work it through. I got to tell you, Andy, 90% of the time when that spouse had the courage to say, I care about us, I care about our marriage, would you be willing to come to this appointment with me? They came. Like they would all come, you know, but the worst case scenario is I'm going to be vulnerable and this person that I love is going to reject me. And I'm like, okay, so you have a choice to make. Do you want to just stay in a relationship where you're not willing to be vulnerable because you're scared of what would happen? Or do you want to be courageous enough to step in and have something better or to face the reality and the truth? Because if your spouse disrespects you so much that they won't even come to a meeting with you, then that's like a whole different conversation. Does that make sense? Mm. So a lot of us kind of get stuck where we're like, I don't want to move forward because I'm scared of what might happen, but I'm so unhappy where I am because I'm scared of what might happen. And that's when we say I can't. And we just like live an unhappy life. But I'm like, hey, you have an option. Like you can just keep living the way you are. But why don't you go ahead and live with joy where you are? Because you're making that choice right now. So that's an example of like, the I can't worst case scenario kind of forced choice ideas that help us get moving when we feel stuck. I think that I think that kind of uh, ties into what you talk about towards the end of the book too, mm-hmm. in the you know do what you say section, mm-hmm. and boundaries too. Yeah, I think are, are we you know, we, I, I, I know I struggle with this, Yeah, setting, setting healthy boundaries and then, and then not just setting them, but then expressing them and following up with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is just a big, I mean, we all struggle in different ways and what's great when you get to that place where you just want to be curious about yourself, you just, you want to be your own scientist, your own life scientist. And you're like, why do I, cons- why do I want to be on time? But yet I'm consistently late. Like, instead of being upset about it or shaming myself, what if I just was curious about it? What if I was like, well, I'm curious about that. Well, I fill my schedule to the brink. Well, what would happen if I said no? Well, I'm actually really scared of losing people's approval. Okay. Now we understand why you're late, right? Like we're getting somewhere and we can start dealing with that stuff. Boundaries, though, is really about that ability to know the difference between needs, wants, and preferences. Okay. So for many of us, we're very confused about needs and wants. And that kind of goes two ways. There's people who believe that what they want is actually a need. And if people don't give it to them, then they're, they're like out of that relationship. Like, you know, I, I, I have preferences and if you don't meet all my preferences, then you don't love me. You don't, you don't care about me. There's many more people, honestly, who are very confused about what it's okay to need in life. And they just consider their needs like optional. So, and I, I, I run through them in the book. I'm like, here, let me name some. Like, first of all, you have the right to your opinion respectfully. Like people who don't respect your opinion, like it's not okay for you to even have a preference. That's really their, that's their issue, not yours. Like you have your right to your opinion. You have your right to, to feel valuable. You have, your, you have a right to be respected. Like these are actually like things about just being human beings. It's just a gift of being a human. And a lot of people have given that stuff away. Like, oh no, like, you know, whatever. My spouse is the one who makes all the choices. And I'll be like, well, what do you want? And they're like, I, I don't know. 
And yet they're frustrated, passive aggressive, anxious life. Life is like so meaningless. And I'm like, well, what is it that you would want out of life? Like, what would you want out of this season? You know, so being able to go through the exercise of knowing like we have a small and very strong, what we want is a small and very strong boundaried area of need. Like I have the need to be physically safe. I have the need to be emotionally safe. This is what that looks like, right? I have the, I have a, I can have my opinion. I have that small walled boundary. Then I have a way bigger boundary around the things that are like wants. Like I might want to go on a family vacation this summer and I pick a place that I want to go. And my husband says, I get the vacation, but I think that's too much money. If I'm confused about wants, we can't enter into compromise, right? I'm like, well, you don't know. You don't value me. You don't love what I... So we, a lot of people go there, right? They just go right there. Instead of saying, okay, cool. You don't want to go on a family vacation. Let's say it's started there. Is it about the vacation? Is it about the money? Oh, it's about the money. Okay. So if I value a vacation, is there a different thing that we might come to compromise on? Because that's all in the area of wants, right? So as we begin to understand that and communicate well with our loved ones, we may discover there's a lot more freedom a lot more life in the place where we can say, man, there's a lot of ways to get what we want. It is not just this one way. And I also am entitled to like move towards the things that I want, especially when I can do it with an open hand and compromise with the people in my life. One more thing with you, Nicole. Um, Again, the book is called The Miracle Moment. Great Mm -hmm. book. I I just thought this was kind of interesting because you say, and I think we've all done this before, that um, the verse in the, in the Bible, uh, love covers a multitude of sins, you mm-hmm. say it's, it's often misused. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the idea that the way to me that it's misused is love covers over a multitude of sin, which means that I never confront and I can never like I can't leave a relationship where I'm being consistently or like consistently disrespected because love covers over a multitude of sins. So I don't need to like bring anything up. Right. Hmm. So it can be sort of go hand to hand with the nice disorder. And I'm like, actually, love is not passive. So if you're using love covers over a multitude of sin as a reason to be passive, then you're not being loving. To me, love is actually quite active. And there are times if I'm going to flip the script where um, there was a particular situation in my life. There was a story in my life where there was a family member that was struggling. And I really felt like I needed to say something. And the thing I wanted to say was out of love. But what I knew was it might make the relationship harder. Like it would be easier for me to not say anything because then like I just I can just let things be. You can just have your issues. I can have my issues. I knew that if I actually said something, but it was what I asked myself is, am I doing this out of love? Is it because I love and I'm concerned about someone? Then it's worth the sacrifice to lean in, even if if it's misunderstood because it was out of love. Um, A lot of us need to do the work to understand how we really love people with grace. But the idea that love covers over a multitude of sin just means I don't, I never impart or I never really give of myself. I never really bring myself into relationship with people to me is a sad misuse of the verse. If you struggle with identity, especially as a mom, just so you know that your value, beauty and identity, they all come from a close relationship with God. And to help you out with that is a brand new book called Theology of Home 2, The Spiritual Art of Homemaking. And Nicole Maring, she wrote it and she's going to be hanging out with you next week on the 30 Second Book Club podcast.